0: So we're very busy. I think uh, our pandemic situation has made that even worse. And we don't have a lot of time to spend, but we really should be setting aside half an hour for each kitten visit so that we can take the time to answer questions. Welcome
1: to the Perfect Your Practice podcast, brought to you by Zoetis in partnership with AAFP. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Marks, and you just heard our special guest, Dr. Kelly St. Denis. Dr. St. Denis is a diplomate of the American Board of Veterinary Practitioners and the immediate past president of AAFP. Today we're talking about why we aren't seeing more cats in practice and what we can do to affect change. Thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you so much for inviting me, Dr. Marks. I'm really glad to be here.
1: Well, we're really glad you're here because I know that what we're going to talk about today is a concern that's very close and dear to your heart, and that's the challenge of why aren't we seeing more cats at the vet. Yes,
0: that's a very big challenge that we have been experiencing forever, it seems.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so we're going to talk today why that's happening, and I think on... um kind of similar vein, why they're not staying with us, right? They might come in for that kitten exam, but then we might not see them till they're 16 or 17 when there's very advanced disease. So we'll talk about some of those things and some really practical tips on how to change that at your practice. But before we get into those tips, let's start with the problem. Why aren't more cats coming to see us at veterinary hospitals?
0: I think there are a number of problems and reasons why The cats are not coming into the veterinary clinic, and we know from surveys that a lot of parents are worried about bringing their cats in because of the stress. They're stressed to get their cat to the vet. They're stressed about their cat being stressed, and then they get additional stress from what happens at the veterinarian and I think on top of that we also have a really big misconception that indoor cats do not need veterinary care so this concept that I refer to as the bubble uh, that if you're living inside of a house you're not going to be exposed to infectious disease you're not going to be subjected to as many uh, ill illnesses Uh, and so a lot of people just think oh I've got the spay neuter done and now I don't really need to go to the vet because my cat's inside.
1: I think there's quite a few things in that and a few others to add. I think one of the big ones that I often see is the stress of the cat carrier. Yes. Would you agree?
0: Absolutely. Yes.
1: And so what can we do in regards to cat carrier training to help pet parents feel more comfortable again in that dreaded right now trip (laughs) from the 10 minutes before when they're trying to shove their cat into a carrier then all the way to see us in the exam room?
0: Yeah, that's that's probably one of the keys there, right, is that they're doing it 10 minutes before rather than having us guide them through preparing and training the cat, uh, which is really key. So when they have their kitten, it's important for us to encourage them to make use of that carrier at home as something that's in the regular living space that the kitten goes in and out of. And they might even work to train the cat to go into the carrier on command or for treats or just in general encouraging them in a way so that it's a positive reinforcement. Um, Generally speaking right now, all cats ever do with carriers is get in them and come to the vet and then often have a negative experience. So, of course, they're not going to appreciate the carrier. And I think one of the other issues is that a lot of pet parents don't know what kind of carrier to purchase. So our guidance from the veterinary clinic and the veterinary team is important in, in that respect as well because there are things about the carrier at home that are important, things about the carrier's type that are important within the vehicle for safety, And then also when we get them to the clinic, if we can't get them out easily, if they refuse to come out, then that just makes that visit even less pleasant. And there's a
1: lot we just said there, right? A lot to educate. (laughs) And many of us are like, how on earth would I ever have time to teach somebody that when I may only have 10 minutes at most sometimes with our clients? So there are resources out there to help us educate our clients, give us support so that doesn't have yeah. to be you know, verbal dialogues that we exactly. give lectures on <laughs> to every client. What are some of those resources that our practices that are listening right now can put on their website or link to on social or ho- however they communicate with their clients so that these pet parents feel supported in some of this cat carrier training?
0: Sure. I think that the number one resource that I use for my caregivers is the catfriendly.com website. So that is the caregiver website that's put together by the AAFP and it is again geared towards everything about being living with a cat. I don't want to say owning a cat because they own us (laughs) Um, but it has some really good material there on cat carriers, choosing your cat carrier, choosing the right kind of cat carrier, how to put it into your vehicle safely and how to even encourage your cat to use the carrier Uh, and uh, they also do have a brochure that uh, clinics can purchase and or download to give to their clients that has a lot of that information in it. Wonderful. I want to go back to a
1: comment you made just a few minutes ago about the indoor cat bubble.
0: Mm-hmm. Because
1: I think that's also something that a lot of practitioners yes. assume too, yeah. right? That indoor cats aren't exposed to parasites and indoor cats can't get infectious disease. But I think that's more and more our eyes are opening that that is not the case. And we need to pop that bubble right yes. and and understand those risks that those cats are exposed to can you share some of those exposure avenues that our indoor cats are exposed even if our yeah. pet parents say my cat never sees the light of day yes. we know that's probably not true we
0: know that's probably not true because if you ask a number of times you'll eventually find out they go out on the patio but yeah there there are a lot of different infectious diseases that albeit come in at a lower rate on an indoor cat, but are still uh, putting them at risk. So one of the ones is intestinal parasites. Um, For starters, a lot of times, kittens are not thoroughly dewormed as kittens, so they actually still have intestinal parasites. Our homeowners, our caregivers might bring a kitten home to their home to other cats, and then the intestinal parasites are just shared amongst the cats. So the kitten might get dewormed, but there's still intestinal parasites there. And again, anything that we step on outside can come in on our shoes. If we step in dog fecal matter outside, we might be bringing in roundworms, for example, roundworm eggs, and that can contaminate our cats. Um, Fleas is another example, right? We go places, people come to our homes. um, We maybe hang our jacket up at our dance class or an extracurricular activity and hang it up beside a bunch of other people's jackets that their pets may have fleas. And we never think about all those conduits that can bring those, those fleas home to our pets. Um, The last one that really gets missed for me that is a big concern is heartworm. So a lot of veterinarians even consider that heartworm is not a a concern for cats, but we do know that cats get heartworm. And in fact, because they're not the natural host of heartworm, dog is the natural host, they actually generate a huge inflammatory reaction to the larvae as they reach the lungs. And that can cause asthma-like symptoms, which can be mistaken for asthma even on an x-ray. So we really do need to be putting our cats on heartworm prevention as well. As we know, mosquitoes come inside and they will bring heartworm into our cats. So a lot of really important exposures to be Mm -hmm. thinking
1: about, especially when we're asking those history questions to make sure that we're not doing yes or no questions, but more of those Those open-ended questions. Thinking about these risk factors and kind of really steering our clients to think about, does my cat have exposure to any of these other risks? Mm So we hope that these are changing uh, our, our minds of pet parents and helping them get to the vet. But I think also as a profession, we really aren't maximizing the time we have with our kitten parents to keep them coming back. Because I think we know that a lot of pet parents will bring them in for their kitten vaccine series or spay-neuter if it hasn't been done at a shelter or rescue. But we aren't seeing them coming back for annual exams. That's right. Right. And so what are some of the reasons behind that?
0: I think the concept of the indoor bubble is the big one that we spoke of earlier, but it might also be the experience that the caregiver and the cat have at the clinic or the kitten have at the clinic uh, and the time that we spend with them. So we're very busy. I think uh, our pandemic situation has made that even worse. And we don't have a lot of time to spend, but we really should be setting aside half an hour for each kitten visit so that we can take the time to answer questions, see how things are going at home, deal with behavioral issues, and really talk to that caregiver. But we also need that time to spend with a kitten. If we think about kittens, they are not trained to be handled by us. They don't know what we're doing. They're very busy. They have play things to do. They don't want to talk to us. So when we start to do things like trying to do a physical exam, taking a rectal temperature, maybe trying to trim their nails or give a vaccine, that's just not acceptable for them. They really won't tolerate that. And that can become stressful both for the kitten who is learning that experience for future visits and for the caregiver, of course. So we really want to try to employ a lot of time and also a lot of different types of tricks and distractions with that kitten to get that to be a more pleasant experience.
1: So we've covered a lot here, right? How to have pet parents feel better about bringing their cats and some of the things we can do differently in those first exams to have them keep coming back.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But we really, again, want to stress how to be practical. What We want to make sure that you're taking some of these tips immediately back after you listen and and start doing them with your feline patients and your feline pet parents. So we've covered a lot, a lot about how to help our pet parents feel more comfortable bringing their cats to the vet, but also what we can do in that first kitten visit to make sure that they keep coming back to see us. We want to make sure that this is super practical. So before we close today, what are three tips that our hospitals that are listening can implement pretty easily Mm -hmm. um, to make sure that we're increasing the amount of cats that come to see us, but also keep coming back throughout their cat journey?
0: Sure. And yeah, in order to generate a a really good experience, both for the caregiver and the cat, I think we really need to try to focus on having that time. So not those 10 or 15 minute appointments. We really do need half an hour for each kitten visit. Um, And we also need to have something in our examination room that's going to distract the kitten or provide the kitten with rewards. So we might have lickable treats, temptations, you know, we don't want people giving those at home, but in the clinic, it's okay. Um, Anything that will make the kitten more comfortable and even head rubs or chin rubs from the caregiver or a staff member might be helpful. And then lastly, um, we really just need to make sure that everybody's having a positive experience. So, if we are finding that the kitten is really distressed and not wanting to sit still and maybe anxious, then we might want to consider that we need to reschedule that visit with a little bit of anti anxiety medication like gabapentin on board so that the next visit is a little more pleasant
1: all great tips here on how to really hopefully help solve this challenge of feline medicalization having these cats see us and us see them to give them the best quality of life dr kelly state denis thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for having me the perfect your practice podcast is brought to you by zoetis in partnership with aafp i'm dr natalie marks thank you for joining us